never, ever marks this spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. episode of the top five report the podcast that wonders how hard it's gonna be to find waldo in a multiverse my name is drew i'll be your host for the evening along with me as always is my brother peter hey man um it's going it's been a crazy week for me um and we're moving into labor day weekend i'm getting out of we're getting out of the fan we're getting out from under the fandom and taking a look at some of the news that i missed i actually missed one thing that made me chuckle um, but it's probably because I went to the bathroom during that moment. Um, <laughs> so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that shortly. But um, nice. What are you? Uh, what are you watching? What are you reading? What's new in the world of you? I guess. Yeah, I um, I feel kind of bad. Um, so like this last weekend, uh, we camped. We went camping the whole time just because that's one of the few things that you can still really do <laughs> in this <laughs> world we, we live in. Right. So, So I am still watching Harley Quinn because I didn't realize that there was multiple seasons. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm at the t- I'm at the tail end of season two, I believe, because I don't I think the seasons are like 13 episodes, but I haven't figured it out because I was expecting eight episodes and then it kept going. Um, yeah. And then when season one ended, it kept going. So I was really kind of like, how long is this? Um, uh, but what was really cool is when you hit season two, they went. They took the idea of they started immediately with No Man's Land, combined with Nightfall, combined with like <laughs> Suicide Squad, and kind of rolled it all into like a ball. And um, they've kind of and season two started like that. And it's actually like and it's actually really kind of cool um, to how it played out. So um, I'm still going through it, but it's um, but yeah, um, good stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's uh, actually more recent uh, story arcs than I thought they would be going through for some reason, because I know it's a really goofy show, and they bring out like a lot of weird villains from the woodwork and stuff, and I just kind of, uh, I guess I assumed that it would be kind of like a Batman Brave, Brave and the Bold sort of thing, where they'd have a lot more like Silver Age sort of like storylines to it, but that's kind of cool that they're doing like some... I mean, not super new, but, like, some 80s and 90s storylines. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's I, It was kind of cool to see the No Man's Land thing 
uh-huh. and then the the uh, the nightfall thing where Batman gets his back broken by Bane. What I wasn't expecting was they used that to shoehorn Batgirl into being like the Batman in the in Gotham because Batman needs to recover, so Batgirl's gonna take over. <laughs> so the scene was really funny because. Commissioner Gordon goes to the rooftop to meet Batman to talk, and Batman's just sitting in a chair <laughs> because he can't get up. Nice. <laughs> because he can't get up, and Commissioner Gordon's like, "Why?" He's like, "Come over here, let me show you something." He's like, "No, I'm good, Jim. I can't move right now." <laughs> it was really, it was just kind of a funny scene. Um, and then, uh, so Harley Quinn's been great. Um, and then I started watching season two of The Umbrella Academy, um, and. I'm only like four episodes in, so so far it's awesome. Um, I wanted to watch, I wanted to get more in, but just lack of time. So, but it's awesome. Nice. So yeah. Um, other than that, um, I'm really excited because my birthday present to myself showed up finally. And uh, so if you follow, if you follow me on Instagram and Twitter, I posted a picture of it um, as soon as I get a chance to put it together because I'm. My life, because we're moving, because this is Labor Day weekend, I have a jam-packed schedule all the way till Monday, so Labor Day, I think, will be the first chance I get to actually do something with this, but my Lego Razor Crest arrived, um, so it's the it's the Lego Mandalorian ship. Um, I can't wait to put that thing together. That's um, awesome. Yes, it is awesome. I just, I'm just sitting here in a box taunting me because I want to play Legos and I have too much stuff going on in my life right now, so... <laughs> Life happens, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's about it, man. What are you? Um, but that's it for you. You didn't get a chance to really watch anything. Yeah, yeah, nothing too exciting, unfortunately. But oh. uh, next week I'll try to bring something cool to the table. <laughs> that's all good. Well, we have a few news stories, and then we'll hop into um, and then we'll hop into the uh, uh, the list at the end of the show. Um, so first off, um, I have a. Mostly comic book stuff, and then I got some. Uh, I got one um, uh, science story for you, which made me laugh a little bit. Um, let's talk about uh, the one, the sad one, real quick, because this was a big blow. Um, this was a weird blow. Um, is that uh, Chadwick Boseman, uh, the Black Panther, has passed away? I assume you saw that. It literally yeah. broke the internet. Um, this is really sad, just in general sense. Um, there's a lot of my friends and stuff who have been talking to me like, oh my gosh, what are they going to do about Black Panther? I'm like, well, we're focusing on Black Panther in this conversation, but you got to remember, like, he played Jackie Robinson in the movie 42, and he had a much bigger film career than people think. Like, put Black Panther aside and look what this guy really did in his film career. Yeah. So it's sad to lose such a big actor. Um, as a fan, it is really, really difficult because I felt really guilty looking at that death notice going oh my goodness he passed away what is marvel gonna do like that like and i felt real guilty that that went through my head do you know what i mean um and uh and i i don't know what the answer is but what i discovered that i thought was really strange is that in reading this i found out that disney and marvel did not know um that he was dealing with that at all Wow. They had, I, didn't, I didn't know that they were in the dark about they it. They were completely that. in the dark, and that means Civil War, Black Panther, and all the uh, Endgame and um, Infinity War, no one knew that he was dealing with cancer. Mm-hmm. So um, 
and and you know it just shows what type of a private person he was but it's still like it makes you go wow that's interesting and so forth so i don't know if you have anything to say about it before we go on i just wanted to i felt it was important to bring up because it was such a big big blow so yeah it's it's really sad um and it literally caught everybody by surprise like nobody knew i didn't i didn't know that disney or marvel didn't know but like nobody knew that he was struggling with cancer um and it was just it's hard to know what to say it just sucks you know you didn't like he's i don't know how old he was off the top of my head but obviously much younger than you would want him to be uh when he passed away so it's just like really sad to hear and uh I mean, yeah, it's, I did think, like, what is Marvel going to do? Like, Black Panther 2 probably won't happen, for example, and maybe some of the crossover stuff with that character. But I think I just was like, I don't know, I guess the best way to look back on it is just remembering, like, not only Black Panther, but just, like, the other characters that he's played, that he's brought us, like, these really cool uh, roles. And I, unfortunately, don't know a lot of his, uh, his other, like, I don't know if I've seen a lot of other movies that he's acted in but i've always appreciated him in the marvel movies and uh yeah it's just it's just really sad to see him go um yeah it's it's kind of hard to know what all to say it's just i think everybody was kind of blindsided with this and uh talking about it now i've realized it hasn't really hit me completely yet either you know it's just it sucks <laughs> i know and it's just it sucks to say what are they going to do what's marvel going to do what's the plan but we're all thinking it so i i trust marvel because they've done such a great job so let's see how it gets handled it's just it's just a weird thing Absolutely. So, um anyway let's move on um so post dc fandom let's talk that real quick because there's a couple things that came out that made me go "Ooh, we gotta talk about that um, so post DC fandom, um, I found out the one thing I missed in the DC fandom is that uh, Sinbad is going to play have a cameo role in Shazam two. <laughs> yeah, I heard um, about this. And I, and it's it probably that probably hit when I got up to use the bathroom or grab a slice of pizza or something. But I have a feeling that um, what they're the idea behind that, and this is this is something I thought about was that um, it's the Mandela effect that everyone was laughing about, the Shazam Kazam stuff that happened when that yeah. movie came out, that DC's like, let's just reach out and make it a thing. And then, <laughs> you know, when people get confused, you can just like, no, 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 that was the same movie. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Or when they go to his IMDb page, it's known for Shazam just shows up right away. <laughs> right. So contributes to the Mandela effect even more. Yeah, I know. And which just, it's just really funny. Anyway... Um, so because of the announcement that Ben Affleck is coming back as Batman, he's coming back to the role for the Flash film, and looks like we might get more Ben Affleck because of the what Zack Snyder has to do to clean up his cut of the Justice League, and then possibly, since we don't know what Affleck's contract is, if we have more Batman in our future from him, um, IMDB did a massive poll of who is the best Batman, who's the best live-action Batman. Okay. And, and I've had several conversations with people about this and how I think F, uh, Christian Bale is probably the best uh, realistic Batman we're going to get, but Affleck's the best comic-accurate Batman we're going to get. And But at the end of the day, for me, being the Batman fan, Kevin Conroy will always be um, my Batman. It's the voice I hear when I read a comic book. It's the iteration of the animated series, which I hold so close to my heart. You know what I mean? We've talked about that. 
Um, so anyway, IMDb does this massive poll, who is the best Batman? And overwhelmingly, Affleck comes out on top as the best live-action Batman. Um, and the wow. poll and the poll ran for like a week, so like the amount of people that voted, it was a huge number. But like overwhelmingly, everyone said Affleck was the best live-action Batman, followed by Christian Bale. The reason I bring this up is because Kevin Conroy um, tweeted this out. Kevin Conroy declares Ben Affleck the best live-action Batman. Ben Affleck has probably gotten the best balance of the two. He's a really good Bruce Wayne, and he's a really good Batman. Direct, uh-huh. Directly from Kevin Conroy, and I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> so I wanted to just use bring that quote up and say, hey, Kevin Conroy thinks so too. Good enough for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's great. You guys can argue uh-huh. with me all you want, but there was a poll on the internet. IMDb did it. It's a legitimate source. It's not like some <laughs> fan thing. So there we go. Yeah. Um, so my, my biggest thought hearing the story, though, is that um, Ben Affleck's the most recent Batman, and because it's like it's an IMDb poll, like a lot of the people voting on this thing are from the internet generation. Like I feel like it's natural that Affleck would get more votes just because he's like a lot of the people participating in the poll. He's like their Batman. That sure. makes sense. Like maybe it's a lot of younger people and stuff like that. Um, it's kind of funny. I feel like the people I talk to, um, I almost feel like Michael Keaton is still like a big crowd favorite among people. I don't know if you feel the same way. No, I I, I, like... I totally believe Keaton's the hu- is a big crowd favorite, and I feel that uh, Christian Bale's a huge crowd favorite too because I feel like uh, most circles that I travel in, everyone just it's like nothing exists after Christian Bale. Like, there was no other Batman before or after Christian Bale. Like, there's just some people I feel think that way. Um, yeah. Which is fine, I think, but... I think that's true, too, but I guess as time goes on, I hear more and more complaints about Christian Bale's Batman voice, and uh, Michael I'm, Keaton, I still don't hear many complaints about, it, complaints about it all, so that's just kind of where I'm coming from, is I feel yeah. like... I never hear people complain about Michael Keaton. Everybody still seems to love him in the role. Like, don't get me wrong, I love uh, Christian Bale's portrayal of Batman. I just know a lot of people don't like that Batman voice. That yeah, <laughs> and I think when people started complaining about that, they were just looking to be nitpicky. <laughs> That's yeah. my personal opinion, but hey. Um, <laughs> speaking of Batman, uh, Robert Pattinson has tested positive for COVID-19. I, I heard about this. <laughs> and uh, that halts... Production, um, so it's I, it sucks because that means it's at the minimum of a two week uh, production halt, and they just went back to filming. So yeah. Um, yeah, it just okay, but that means they got to now test everybody and that kind of thing. So we'll, we'll see. Where this that is just the world we live in. Um, in my opinion, like so many movies that we've been looking forward to have already been pushed back. And now we're seeing how, because of COVID restrictions, it's going to take them a long time to film these up-and-coming movies because this is a perfect example. They're going to have to keep testing the cast and crew, and if somebody, you know, contracts COVID, they have to shut the whole production down for, like, two weeks or whatever it is. And uh, I think we're going to hear a lot more of these stories, actually, as time goes on. Yep. Um, So... The uh, so yeah, I got one more DC story for you, and we're gonna see a lot of those because I saw that um, who was it? Uh, I think Jason Momoa 
no, not the Rock. Him and his family. Um, him and his family all tested positive for COVID as well. So. Wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there we go. We'll see how that plays out, I guess. Um, what all right. That's other DC story here. Yeah. I, well, I got one more, and this I'm only bringing this. I'm only. Uh, it's a little DC Marvel crossover, so it'll be good because I got a couple like a little Marvel thing here. Um, I'm only bringing this up because I knew this was going to happen. When we knew that they were making the Justice League movie, we knew they were making the Justice League movie before uh, Infinity War came out. Before we really, because our first look at Thanos was in the Avengers movies, and they were cameos at best. You really didn't get to see anything. So that means the non-readers don't really know anything about Thanos. If you read comic books, knowing Thanos and knowing Darkseid, you know about this, um, and you don't think much of it. You just know about it, right? So, I figured that the non-readers are going to see the Avengers films and love them, and then the Justice League movie is going to come out and they're going to see Darkseid and go, oh, he's just a Thanos ripoff, and that's kind of the end of it. Um, Jim Starlin, who created Thanos, confirms and admits to ripping off Darkseid, and Thanos is a copy of um, Darkseid. And... So the reason I'm bringing this up is this is not, and I'm basically bringing this up as information for the haters. So before you guys go on a soapbox and blah, 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 um, Darkseid was created in 1970 by Jack Kirby and Jim Starlin, who um, copied Thanos and confirmed that he took, copied, uh, sorry, copied, Jim Starlin created Thanos as a copy of Darkseid, created Thanos in 1973. So the great Jack Kirby created Darkseid before Jim Starlin created Thanos. And that's very, I just, I want people to understand that because I feel like you're going to, I'm already seeing some of that on the internet. I feel like it's going to get worse as we get closer to the Snyder Cut release. So. Yeah, and there's, I, I think people are going to end up being willfully ignorant about the timeline too and stuff. Yep. But the biggest thing you have to remember is like Marvel and DC have been copying one another for decades. They have been, like, <laughs> heavily. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things you can grab any Marvel or DC character and point to its counterpart in the opposite universe, and it's just one of those things, like, it doesn't, it goes both ways, and it's one of those things, like, you compare um, Man-Thing and Swamp-Thing, for example, who apparently were created, like, simultaneously by, like, roommates or something I heard before. So there's, like, kind of, like, just weird... Uh, there's there's only a like, couple that are not direct copies. It's kind of, like, crap. We can't really copy Batman, but we're going to try, and no one's actually going to read it, but we got to try. You know what I mean? Or we're not going to copy Spider-Man because of the popularity, and we'll get... look. You know what I mean? There's just a handful of characters out there that are not copied, but for the most part, it's all borrowed back and forth, back and forth. So... Yeah, and it's I'm the only reason I bring that up is I just think that fans shouldn't get caught up on that sort of thing because this is like these are characters who go so far back and these universes were started so long ago and we just need to appreciate the stories we get for what they are and not get too hung up on like nitpicking at who came up with which character you know first and right. stuff like that and knowing I I I don't think that. Infinity War and uh, the Snyder Cut of the Justice League are tonally going to be very similar. Um, I'm hoping that 
Darkseid's character in the Justice League isn't super similar to uh, the MCU version of Thanos because I want them to be different. I kind of feel at least a little confidence that they'll be different enough. So we'll see how it goes. I just don't want people to get too caught up on that sort of uh, back and forth nitpicking. And I agree, but you're also asking a really big uh, favor to the internet. (laughs) I really hope the internet does not get caught up on this crap (laughs) Um, alright well anyway since we're on Marvel news um, I don't know if you saw this um, but it looks like there is going to be a Silk television series coming to Amazon do you know who Silk is one of the uh, members of the Spider-Verse um, she first appeared in Amazing Spider-Man number one in 2014. Um, there was a faceless cameo. This was, uh, written by Dan Slott back, uh, when he was doing, uh, the, um, uh, Superior Spider-Man stuff. Um, and she's basically one of these Spider-Girl-type characters. Right. Um, and she's a, let me check, let me double-check something here real quick. Uh, she is Muslim, I believe, too. Um, oh, no, she's Korean. So she's a Korean-American, uh, so in terms of, like, uh, diversity and stuff like that. So Cindy Moon, fictional uh, Korean-American superhero known as Silk, uh, appearing in the, Amazing, in the Amazing Spider-Man number one in 2013 and was created by Dan Slott. Uh, she's a member of the Spider Army, Web Warriors, and Agents of Atlas. If anyone wants to, like, Google that and look all that stuff up, feel free. There's a giant uh, thing here for her, um, but how she's in... in how she's a part of the Spider-Verse and everything like that. So, But it looks like Amazon might be looking at it. Um, the reason I bring that up is because she, um, the television show is being developed by uh, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Um, if you okay. recognize those names, they're the ones who did the Lego movies. Yay for them. But they're also the ones that got fired from the Solo movie <laughs> by Lucasfilm. Yeah. So I don't know... I just don't know how this plays out because I don't think they're bad directors. I just don't know. I don't know enough in terms of what the plan is and how that's going to, you know, play out in the future. So. Yeah, they um, they were also uh, set to direct the uh, Flash movie for a little bit in there, but the Flash, uh, the Flash solo film has kind of tossed around a couple different directors in its uh, pre-production uh, story or whatever. But um, yeah, this sounds cool. Um, I'm always up for more superhero shows. I think, uh, uh, is it Chris Lord and Peter Miller? Is that their names? Uh, uh, it's... Or did I get them back? Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Okay, there you go. So, <laughs> so I, I think they, um, from what I've heard on the Solo movie, is they kind of, they do a lot with, like, improv comedy with the way they film and stuff, and I guess it just didn't... I, was it Donald Glover who called them out and kind of just said like this doesn't feel right? It doesn't no, feel it was like it was it was it was Alden Ehrenreich, the guy who was playing Han Solo. Oh, oh, really? Oh, yes. Okay, thank, thank you. I think Donald Glover was more like going along with it, just from stuff I've heard. But yeah. basically, they're doing a lot of like improvising lines and stuff, and it just didn't feel right for Han Solo. But that's not to say that. Um, they wouldn't be good on, like, a property like Silk, which nobody outside of the comic book community has, you know, uh, nostalgic, uh, I guess, like, protection over. Like, none of <laughs> nobody's, like, really, like, going to be mad if they ruin the character Silk, I feel. So I feel yeah, like yeah. that's a perfect property 
for them to just go wild. So, yep. yeah, overall it all sounds good. <laughs> right. Well, I got one more Marvel story, and then I got... So I only got a couple stories left. Uh, it's kind of a light news week, but this is COVID, so what can we do? Um, by the way, theaters are reopening, and uh, yeah. New Mutants is out. I just need a moment to go see it. Um, box yeah. office returns are not good because people are just not going to theaters, which is not a surprise. But New Mutants is out, so um, if anyone... I still want to see it. Um, I thought it looked awesome, but like I've been hearing bad reviews of it, and so I'm not sure <laughs> what to think at this point. Right, well, people are, you know, whatever, they'll be nitpicky. Um, at any rate, so this is a half Marvel story, half science story. Science first more than anything. So you're going to love this because I want to see where your brain goes. So I'm just going to read this to you. Scientists have detected a heartbeat-like rhythmic signal coming from a cosmic gas cloud in the Aquileia constellation. This is great. So <laughs> where is your brain going? My brain is going to, uh, I can't remember the villain's name, but the, uh, the main villain in the Green Lantern movie. Oh, you went, you went that way. You're thinking, uh, <laughs> you went that way. I went Galactus. <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's where I went when I read that. I was like, did they just discover Galactus? Is he on his way here? What's going on? Of course he is because it's 2020. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, so you're, but that even falls more in line with, uh, I guess I got caught up on the whole like gaseous. Um, so were you thinking? Uh, were you thinking uh, parallax? Yeah, parallax. Okay. There it is. But like, I guess Galactus. Then I would still equate it more with the Rise of the Silver Surfer version of Galactus. Um, but either way, it's like a really awesome story. Um, I didn't even think of Galactus, but yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, it's it's Galactus. It made me laugh. Just the thought of it really. Uh, I was like, wow, we got a heartbeat? This is fantastic. So, <laughs> um, I've never heard the, there's like a theory that the, un and I don't know if this is confirmed, or I feel like some scientists said this at some point, that the universe, the way it is uh, mapped out is the same as a human brain or something like that. Yeah. And so like, I love that sort of thing. Like, are we actually just like a small molecule and some giant, like being's brain or something like that and then just like the idea of a heartbeat coming out of this gaseous cloud in the universe like that's just so i don't know it's so interesting to think about i'm not the biggest um i'm not the best astronomer <laughs> believe it or not so i don't have the knowledge to like comment on this stuff too much but it kind of there's a lot of mind-blowing stuff when you look into space and what we know about it and just really what we don't know at all yeah um all right so let's move on i got two more stories two more yeah two more stories and then we'll get to our list um which we're kind of moving yeah we're moving about normal normal speed here um so are you planning on getting mulan when it hits disney plus the price tag of thirty dollars i i don't know i'm gonna will i'm willing to bet i won't right away okay <laughs> but, but i'm not sure so uh, i found i found this really weird Okay, so Disney Plus will have Mulan, uh, well, today's the third, so tomorrow? So the time of this recording, it's, uh, oh, wow. it's the third, so as of tomorrow, Mulan live action will be on Disney Plus for a $30 rental. Now, if you pay the $30, you're going to get Mulan for the entire time you have Disney Plus, it's there forever for you. It's not like you watch the movie for the weekend and it's gone. 
Yeah. Um, and I and I didn't realize when they announced the date that it was Labor Day weekend. So of course they did it on Labor Day weekend. Here's the thing. If you just wait, so I know this podcast is going to release after the movie drops, so unfortunately I'm getting this to the wrong time, but the information's out there. <laughs> but if you're on the fence and you haven't gotten it by the time you hear the words coming out of my mouth, Mulan will be available at no additional cost on Disney Plus December 4th. I knew it, and that's kind of... Because uh, <laughs> I, I know there is the whole thing, like, you pay 30 bucks and you get to keep it indefinitely, you know, on your right. Disney Plus account. But the I the more I thought about it, like, after we talked about this uh, the last time we did, I was just like, I bet you could just wait a bit, and then you're going to get it on Disney Plus anyways for no additional cost. So that's kind of crazy to hear that confirmation. And now I just feel like I'm not at all going to rent it early. <laughs> right. Same but, here. Uh, um, so I will be, our review of Mulan is going to wait until, um, December when it's free. <laughs> and, um, and for those of you diehard Mulan fans that are like itching to see it, um, let me know what you think. <laughs> so. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I got one more story for you. Um, okay. and this is, did I, wait, I closed the window. Okay. And this is awesome. Officially the Mandalorian is going to hit Disney plus season two on October 30th. I did hear about this. this is yes. Awesome. And one of the things I love, this is really cool. So first off new Mandalorian. Awesome. Let's go. Um, however, um, I love the logo, and I don't know if you've looked really closely at the logo. So the first logo was that orangish red, I'm sorry, orangish yellow kind of like sunset. Uh, it was like the Mandalorian. It just said the Mandalorian, and then it was like that sunset with him walking in the A. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Okay, in the letter A, it was like him like walking. Well, now it's the same logo, except it's in blue, and it's got him walking with Baby Yoda. I just thought that was cute. So, you know, he's not alone. He's not alone anymore. So it was just awesome. Um, yeah, I, I haven't paid that close attention to the logo, but that's kind of a cool little touch. Um, and then the other thing is my kid uh, got, like, when I when my Mandalorian Lego set showed up, he's like, he just kind of shook his head and rolled his eyes, and he's like, Ugh, you and the Mandalorian, why do you like the Mandalorian so much? And, like, kind of being a little butt about it. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> So I kind of paused and I said, you know why I like The Mandalorian so much? And I thought, and like my answer was so quick. And then as I finished the conversation, I realized how perfect my answer is. And I'm curious to what you got to say about this. So I said to him, I go, you know why I like The Mandalorian so much? And he goes, why? And I said, because in the world of Star Wars, The Mandalorian is Batman. And, and you're going to pause and I'm going to tell you this. And here's my comparisons. Batman tragically watched his parents die and then got and then devoted himself to doing this thing and then went and got trained by the League of Assassins who are a warrior assassin race and taught him how to do all his fight stuff and got his suit together and got his gadgets together and got his car and his ship however you want to word it and became Batman the Mandalorian tragically watched his parents get murdered uh, by battle droids, and then got adopted by the Mandalorians, who are a bounty hunter warrior race, and he got his suit and his gadgets and his ship, and he's off doing good things in the galaxy. In the Star Wars universe, the Mandalorian is the Batman of the Star Wars universe. 
I mean, I can't really argue with that. <laughs> I know. I was like, and when he's, and then when I said that, he just looked at me, rolled his eyes, and walked out of the room. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah. At any rate, um, I just had to bring that up because why not? Um, yeah, yeah, are you? Um, the uh, are you ready to do the list, man? Because that's all I got for news and you know that kind of thing. So yeah, let's go for it. Um. So yeah, all right. Well, uh, Ryan, it is new. It is time to run. New. I feel like I said that backwards. It's all good, Ryan. It's time to do the list. So you know what to do, man. <laughs> Get me out of this uh, bubble. Uh, roll the thing. for the top five. Okay, Peter, we're back. Um, yes. This was my list. Uh, I found this list. I, I did something with my list that I've never done. And um, you'll see what I'm talking about. all James Bond movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I've never put multiples on a franchise before on my list. And I did, really? and I did this. I kind of looked back. I'm like, have I ever done that? Uh, aside from like Marvel, like when we did our Marvel list, you know, that's different. Um, and, uh, so I, uh, I, I, I actually have multiples on here. It's only two, but it's still, I've never done it before, but in the long thinking of things, I had to because of my reasonings. Um, so I do have two honorable mentions. I don't know about you. Um, so sorry, I almost buried the lead on this. We're talking spy thrillers tonight because I like espionage movies. And, um, before we talk this, and I should have brought this up earlier, did you watch the new James Bond trailer? No. No time to die. It dropped like two hours ago, so it's not. <laughs> it's not like there was a rush. Like before we started recording, I'm like, oh, there's a Bond trailer. I better watch this. Um, I don't want. I don't want people to hate me too much. I'm not super big into James Bond. <laughs> so I don't think. I don't think people will hate you. It's totally fine. I just <laughs> the. Um, I just the trailer dropped and I was like, oh, that's a big movie that got pushed because of COVID, and I want to see it and that kind of thing. So I did a quick. Gotta go take a look at this. Um. I thought the movie looked great before. The movie looks incredible. Um, and it really seems like some of the criticisms I personally have had about the Bond films, it's like they're it's like someone heard me talking and it's like kind of moving in that better direction. So because oh, cool. um, I, I think I think the Mission Impossible doing movies are doing everything that the Bond films should have already been doing. Um, so it definitely looks like they kicked up the action and that kind of stuff. So um Oh, that's that's actually. It just it looks fantastic. It just looks fantastic. So. I I feel like I would have some similar criticisms of the new the newer Bond movies that you were saying, but um, yeah, this list um, I found it kind of hard because I I like spy thrillers and espionage movies and stuff, but I haven't I don't know that's like one of those genres that I've watched a ton of movies in. Um, so so I kind of had a hard time, but. It was kind of easy at the same time because I already knew my favorites. A couple of my movies we've talked about a lot, but uh, we'll see how it goes. I have two honorable mentions as well. Um, I don't know if uh, I guess I could jump into it unless you have anything more to say before we start the list. Um, no, I don't. If you we can, we can jump right in because we're going to be talking spies all night. So yes. Okay, um, cool. Do you have? You said you have honorable mentions. Yeah. Yeah, I have two. Okay, um, perfect. There's also I had to make sure I did because one of one of the ones on my final list I don't know if it counts so <laughs> so I have to have to like 
you know, you have to have those backups in case you have to sub something out. But uh, so my first honorable mention is kind of really ridiculous. And uh, I was looking on Wikipedia, and they have a list of uh, spy and espionage films. And uh, this movie came up, and I couldn't believe it. But <laughs> my first honorable mention is the Disney movie Condor Man. Do you remember this? Yes, movie? I, dude. So I'm movie, sorry. I am. If you don't know what Condor Man is, I I honestly wonder if it's on Disney Plus, and it makes me want to look right now. So I might do that while you're talking. But Condor Man's awesome. Um, I wanted to look it up on Disney Plus as well. What were you saying? Uh, no, go ahead, man. Oh yeah. So so I was kind of surprised because this is uh, Drew. You and I watched this a lot growing up. We did. Up. I, I think we had it uh, on a VHS cassette that we taped off of the TV at some point in our childhood. And I'd say Disney produced, uh, like, superhero film, and that's really all I would remember. That's really all I remember about it is there was this guy with this crazy Condor Man superhero costume, and he had huge wings that he would glide around on. And I remember it being, like, really exciting as a kid watching this movie. But I had no idea espionage would have anything to do with this movie. And uh, on Wikipedia, I kind of clicked on the movie title itself and started reading through the plot of the movie. And the plot definitely has that sort of spy thriller Ugh. plot. It deals a lot with the Russian government and the KGB and stuff. And it so is. I was like, screw it, Condor Man's honorable mention. I haven't watched it in a long time, but my nostalgia and my memory for this movie... I, I enjoyed it as far as I can remember, and it's such a unique movie, I wanted to bring it up. Um, another funny thing about this movie is uh, reading through the plot, um, or skimming through the plot, I should say, it mentioned that the the main character, the guy who is Condor Man, actually worked his day job as being a comic book illustrator. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was both kind of funny, like, oh, I draw comic books by day, but I'm a superhero by night sort of thing. But also, like, for me, that's like a bit of a movie guilty pleasure. Like, anything about, any movie about comic book artists, I just... Well, and when you said you couldn't remember it, see, you said you Googled it and read the plot, and I was like, oh, crap, I can't be the guy to go, hey, Pete, do you remember that the fact that the guy's a comic book artist with you being all into comic art stuff? So, yeah, and, well, that's, I didn't remember that, and that's, like, one of those things I really want to rewatch this movie because of that, because, yeah, I'll just, I'll watch any movie about a comic book artist for sure. I mean, I watched that movie, uh, Cellar Dweller, that I mentioned a long time ago, so, right. you know, that's no problem, but, uh, yeah, that's my first one. I don't know if you have any thoughts on Condor Man It's just, all. I remember the suit and the wings, like, the giant wings <laughs> that he was trying to, like, the, the flight suit that he made himself, and... His his car was awesome. Um, the fact that like I believe it went underwater. No, did it? No, because it he 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 was in the car chase and ramped it off into the water, and the car hit the water, and the like uh, flotation device popped out, and the car could float. Right. It was basically you know, it was basically I where, remember right. That. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah no. I and I remember, and I and I remember the car chase very vividly because I loved. It was like his yellow sports car, and then he was being, and then the 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 enemy spies, whatever, were driving uh, black Porsches. And I just, I always thought the the car chase scene was awesome. It probably doesn't hold a candle to any car chases we see now in film, but I always liked that chase scene. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. My first honorable mention is the movie Vantage Point. Have you ever seen this? 
I haven't seen this one. I think we talked about it on the show. Maybe do you know? Before, do you know of it? Vaguely. Okay. Um, we try to keep. It was funny as I, we always want to keep honorable mentions short because they're not our actual list, but sometimes we have to actually talk about what our honorable mentions are. So the movie's really fun. It shows there's a presidential assassination. So he's the, the president is going to this place to do a big speech, and you know it's I, I don't know if it's a congressional speech or like a rally or something, but he's there to do a speech, and like security's really tight and they're allowing people into the square to like view the speech and that kind of stuff. And you're watching people go through the security checkpoints, blah blah blah. There's a presidential assassination. Everything goes into lockdown, and you watch the full scene unfold, how it all takes place, security, everything, everyone doing that kind of stuff, and it's following the perspective of this one guy. And it gets up to a point, and the movie stops, and it does this crazy rewind, and you start the whole movie over from a different person's perspective. And you see a total of six, I think five or six different perspectives, and each one shows you a little bit, little bit more of what happened with the assassination until they all come together, and then there's the big CIA, spy, crazy espionage, what was going on thing. Um, really, really cool idea for a movie. Um, it's only 90 minutes, surprisingly. It's not very long, but the uh, spy aspect of it is really cool. Um, and there's some really cool uh, gunplay, like running through hallways and just taking like single shots because they're that good marksmen it's just pop 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 and three guys go down you know so um really cool like sequences in the film itself um that's why it made an honorable mention for me i just wanted to bring that up so yeah it's, it's cool to hear there's some good action in there but actually the plot sounds very intriguing and that's actually what kind of sounds the coolest to me about this movie is uh the mystery about like how, you know what exactly happened with this assassination and stuff and you're saying that it has a 90-minute runtime. I feel like that's probably for the better um, because I feel like sometimes movies like this where it goes through multiple uh, perspectives, sometimes it can get a little bit tedious if it goes too long, but it sounds like it's just a well-crafted movie and it's probably one of those things where it's not longer than it needs to be sort of thing. So, yeah, I'll definitely check this out if I get the chance. It sounds really cool. Yeah, so uh, what um, what else you got? Okay, so my next honorable mention, um, and this is a movie that I liked a lot. It's been a long time since I've seen it, so I don't remember a lot of the details. And that's kind of the biggest reason it didn't make my final list, but uh, it's The Recruit with uh, Colin Farrell, and I want to say Al Pacino. This made, my, this made my short list. Yeah, and I just thought this was really cool. Um, if I remember correctly, Colin Farrell, Farrell is uh, training to become part of the CIA, Yes. And there's, um, I, it's one of those things where I don't want to reveal too much, but the movie takes, like, a really crazy, like, detrimental turn for his character, and then there's a twist further on that's even more mind-blowing, and I just really, the experience of watching this movie was just, like, really cool, and I remember when it came out, it was just kind of like a really, uh, it was a really cool movie in general. Um, I could kind of leave it at that, because I feel like, this is one where it's really easy to get into spoilers for. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on the recruiter or whatever. You um, said it was on your short list. So. This movie is really great, and the the mystery wrapped around like his training at the FBI, at the FBI, at the CIA, and all that stuff is really entertaining. Um, it's one of those movies, in my opinion, that kind of keeps you guessing to the end. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Really cool stuff. Um, yeah, definitely check out The Recruit. The, if we talk too heavily about it, we could end up spoiling a lot of the movie, and I don't want to do that to people. So, um, 
and and this is one that doesn't get talked about a lot, so it's not like one of those movies that, you know, oh, everybody knows that, you know, Darth Vader's Luke Skywalker's father. Like, nobody knows. The twists in this movie don't get talked about a lot, so I wouldn't want to ruin any of it on here. <laughs> right. Uh, but, yeah. Um, yeah, all right, man. Um, so it's my go. Um, my final honorable mention of the night is the movie Goldeneye. Um, out of the 25 Bond films there are, it's weird that the Goldeneye would be my pick for the evening. Um, but the, uh, that one, um, that one really caught my attention because it was the, it was the first Bond film that really made me go, oh wait, this is a Bond movie. Um, and I just really remember enjoying it. I've gone back and rewatched it. There's segments of the movie that do not hold up well at all, and there's segments yeah. of the, and there's segments of the movie that are just spot on fantastic. It's Pierce Brosnan's first one, um, but overall, and it, but it's one of those Bond movies that I could go back to and just watch again and again. Um, I just remember really, really enjoying it. So I don't know if you saw it or if you have any thoughts on it. It did have like one of the best video games out there. So <laughs> I was gonna um, mention. GoldenEye was such a fun game on the Nintendo 64, and uh, I never owned a 64, but I remember playing it at friends' houses, like having sleepovers and playing GoldenEye all night long, and it was like, it was just awesome. Like, the gameplay in that game is so much fun. Um, but I think that, I didn't realize that this was Brosnan's first uh, James Bond movie, but it makes sense, but I think it's my favorite one that he's in, um, and I'm just kind of thinking of different parts of the movie, and I think it just, there's a lot of really memorable and really fun scenes in this movie, and um, there's other, <laughs> so it's kind of funny, but the other Pierce Brosnan, uh, James Bond movie that sticks out in my mind is uh, um, Die Another Day, and like, GoldenEye compared to Die, Die Another Day, like, I feel like GoldenEye's such a better movie and stuff like that, so, <laughs> right. um, I, I really like this one, it didn't make my final list, but, uh, definitely a good pick, and definitely has some really good parts in there, like, a lot of the lines that the hacker says and stuff like that, and, uh, is GoldenEye the one, there's, like, a really good, I want to say, blackjack scene in it? Uh, GoldenEye? I might, yeah, I might be thinking of a different one, though. Uh... Yes, it's a sh it's a very short blackjack scene. Yeah, I remember that, but I remember that scene just having such a it being such an iconic, like really smooth the James Bond moment, and I think it was just like scenes like that really kind of uh, solidified Pierce Brosnan as James Bond for me, I guess, when I first saw it. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is your first actual pick of the night? Yeah. Um, so here's where it gets hard and where I have a lot of movies we've talked a lot about. <laughs> but uh, I'll go with my first one. This is the one that I didn't know if it counted, but uh, I picked Argo. And this is one that did come up when I Googled espionage movies. Um, and it does deal with the CIA and I guess kind of really a spy operation. It just doesn't feel like a espionage movie when I think about it. So I don't know what your thoughts are. Um, we matched on Argo. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. And I hope you weren't saving it. Um, uh, this was kind of one that we've talked so much about that I was kind of like, oh, I'll get it over with, sort of thing. No, uh, I was I would have saved Argo for a little bit later, but it's all good. No big deal. Um, Argo is phenomenal. And, like, I almost forgot it was a spy movie because it's um, 
because you don't feel like it is. But yeah, no, it's the CIA trying to rescue some hostages, and they're using the film cover to get into the you know city to you know rescue the hostages. Uh, so it's just yeah. it's just how that played out. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, did you have anything else on Argo to say? Like this is a, this movie is fantastic. So. Um, all together yeah, from top to bottom and it's intense as hell too um yeah yeah it's a it's a great story um it's based on a true story it's uh the events of this movie are really crazy and unbelievable and i love this movie but i just feel like we've talked yeah, about it so much in other episodes i don't know what to say that i haven't already said about argo you know but uh yeah i, I love this movie of course um yeah and good on ben affleck for that movie because he i there was a lot putting to putting that film together it's, it's god that movie's so good i want to watch it now <laughs> <laughs> um yeah we matched on argo so good call there so this actually throws it back to you i wonder if we'll match on something else yeah i feel like we might i don't know <laughs> um, so i'm gonna go with another one we've talked about a lot um, this is actually really high up on my list, but I'll get it over with sort of thing because we've talked about it so much. But yeah. I picked uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Which, Ooh. Um, you know, damn it. Think, <laughs> what's that? Did we match again? No, it's the, I didn't think about that as a spy movie when I was doing this. Yeah, does well, does not change my list, where, but. It's, it's a superhero movie, but I feel like it's almost more so like an espionage political thriller sort of movie. Um. This is another one, like, I feel like I keep picking movies that, in my mind, kind of skirt the line, but if you take out uh, Steve Rogers out of Captain America and just have, like, a normal, like, agent for, you know, some sort of government agency or, like, military branch, this is, like, an espionage movie through and through, and it's, we've talked about it so much, like, this is, it's hard, if you say this is the best MCU movie, it's hard to argue against that, because it's so well done. The plot is so interesting. Um, it just like, yeah, it, it stands on its own outside of the MCU. Um, it's just a really cool, really serious, really good superhero political thriller, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if you have any specific thoughts right now on this one, but no, it's the um, this is a basically a, they took a 1970s spy film and made it Captain America. And it's yes. like, and what's cool is it's like old school spy stuff too. It's not just like the new Avengers crazy awesome action film. It's like they did some really old school stuff with it, and you got Robert Redford in there, fantastic. Um, yeah, so yeah, absolutely. And there's like Winter Soldier. Sorry to interrupt. Winter Soldier is my favorite Marvel film period of all time, hands down. It is the best thing they've ever done. Um, yeah, I, I I really like whole like hydra conspiracy stuff they have in there too like i conspiracy theories i always find really interesting so i thought that was a cool angle and then uh out of this whole movie like i still that first scene um i believe it's the first scene or the first kind of mission you see uh captain america on um i just love that scene because it just feels to me like a really stealthy like super powered like uh, Metal Gear Solid scene or something like that almost. So I just this movie's great. Um, I I mean I'm sure everybody listening to the podcast has already seen it, but if you haven't, what are you doing? You know, go watch. Yeah, if you haven't, why are you listening to us? Pause this show, go watch The Winter Soldier, and come back and pick back up. Um, yeah, I didn't even think about Winter Soldier, and I feel dumb that I didn't think about it. Um, 
All right, so my next movie is, and this is the one I thought we were going to uh, match on, is True Lies. Okay. This uh, made my short list. Oh, okay. Um, this is a... This is such, like, a fun movie from beginning to end, and this is one of those things where James Cameron did such an amazing job because just about everything he touches is awesome. Um, yeah, just about everything James Cameron does is, like, a really good movie, and I don't really know if he's got a bad film, if you think about it. Um, but uh, this is just, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a spy and thinks his wife's having an affair, and then it kind of goes from there, and then she finds out he's an actual spy, and then terrorist organizations and then crazy like harrier jets floating around buildings in miami yeah somewhere i think it's miami <laughs> um it's just it's a non-stop action film and everyone should check this movie out it's great um, i don't know if you have anything to say on it but um yeah it's been a while since i've watched it but hearing you talk about it it is like a super fun movie and i kind of want to rewatch it because uh I remember it vaguely, but it's, like I said, I haven't watched this in years, and it's kind of one of those things that it'd be fun to go back and rewatch because I've probably forgotten about so many twists and turns in it, but, uh, yeah, yeah, good, good pick. Yeah, so, um, what else do you have, man? Okay, um, this is where I feel like we might start matching, but we'll see. Uh, oh, I doubt it. Original Mission Impossible, which uh, we've talked about on this podcast a lot of times yep. before as well. Um, I think this movie is really, really cool. The plot is like super. It's kind of like a really cool, complex thing that uh, keeps you watching because you have to figure out how all the pieces kind of come into place. Um, there's just some really iconic scenes in there. Um, this is when you say espionage movie, like second to James Bond, like any of the James Bond films like this is one of the first things that comes to my mind um i love this movie this is just another thing i feel like i've talked so much on a podcast about it before that i don't know what to say about it today. right <laughs> the yeah. one of the the thing about this movie this this was the big selling point about the film is yeah it was basically based off made uh, <laughs> it was basically put together off of a old television show and um this is a this is one of those television shows that um uh, movie remake just made it even cooler. You know what I mean? Like they did such a good job of putting it together and honoring yeah. the, and honoring the source material. Um, where the franchise is gone, we'll talk about that in a little bit, maybe. Um, the thing about this movie, the big draw was the mission itself um, and what they were um, actually going to be doing on the mission. So you see the scene where they're on the train and Tom Cruise is explaining what they're doing. And you get to see the heightened security and how difficult this is going to be. And they're like, what? Are we really going to do this? And he's like, yeah, we're going to do this. And then you get to watch it and it is like hyper intense. And like the scene when they have to be quiet and like everything's quiet. And not only everything's quiet, everyone in the movie theater was quiet. You know what I mean? Like it was like you couldn't hear it. Like, like it, it's... It was, it, the sound was almost deafening as to how quiet that scene had to be, like, on screen and off screen, because the audience was like, <gasps> you know, like, it was, it was a well, well put together thing, and those movies have only gotten better, so. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just Mission Impossible <laughs> 1. I, I think, I think just being a kid, though, and, like, when I first saw this, the first one, I think so many moments from a movie are just so iconic and kind of captured my imagination at the time. Like, this one still sticks with me so well, even after all the other ones that have came out, so. 
Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I don't know if I have too much to say on it besides that. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, well, my next pick for the night um, is one of my all-time favorite uh, spy movies. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's a movie called Spy Game. Have you seen this? Yeah, I have. Um, it's I saw it like back when it first came out, or first came out on video, and uh, it's another one I remember enjoying it. I don't remember a lot of the movie itself, though. So uh, this is uh, this yeah. movie. I've watched several times. Like, I loved it my first time through. and I, It's been a repeat watch for me in terms of this category. And if it's on TV, it's one that I'll stop watching to catch. So basically in this movie, um, Robert Redford plays, like, um, he works for the CIA, and it's his last day at work because he's retiring. And he gets word that um, an agent that he trained, that he became very good friends with, has been captured by the Chinese government and is in prison. And the CIA is trying to figure out if they're going to deal with this and actually try and go get their guy back, or if they need to basically say, we don't know who this guy is, and kind of let him go, depending on how the mission went. They have to do a quick investigation. So they bring in Robert Redford to answer some questions about it, and he is trying to figure out a way to rescue his friend while going through the interrogation of how like telling them about the training and all that stuff so robert redford is basically recapping how they met and how the training and all that stuff so you're watching brad pitt who plays the uh who plays this agent um go through his training and how he met robert redford and everything with the caa leading up to his capture so you're seeing all these flashbacks but you're also seeing real time of robert redford having to explain all the so when you go to a flashback he's explaining part of the story but in the real time, Robert Redford is doing all the spy stuff within the CIA to work behind their back to make sure his friend is safe and okay before he leaves for his retirement. If, yeah. if that kind of lays it all out for you. So there's some really intense stuff that goes on inside CIA headquarters while he's trying to piece together the puzzle and figure everything out and go, all right, my friend's safe and that kind of thing, and then go from there. Um Really, really, really cool uh, way that played out, and it's just some really cool acting, not just by Brad Pitt, but by Robert Redford, and it's it's charming. It's not a funny movie at all. It's a very serious like spy thriller, um, but it's it's great, um, and I highly recommend everyone see it. So, Spy Game is my pick uh, for that. So, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, like I said. I remember enjoying it when I saw it. I just it's been so long, and I just don't remember it super well, unfortunately. But. Uh, this is like True Lies. This would probably be a good, another good one for me to watch, just to, uh, you know, because I, I don't really remember a lot of it super well, so it's almost like watching it for the first time. Almost. Right, right. Yeah, um, you should definitely check out Spy Game. It is one that I made sure I owned just because I liked it so much. So uh, yeah, check this movie out, man. Uh, it's it's awesome. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, what's your next pick, dude? We got two more to go. Yeah. So I am going to go with. Kingsman, uh, the first movie. Yes. Um, this was a movie that kind of came out of nowhere, and I know it's based on a Mark Millar comic, but the thing is, if you didn't know about that, I feel like not a lot of people knew what this movie was. And I remember before it came out, I started seeing trailers for this movie, and I was just kind of like, like at first I thought, I thought maybe it wasn't going to be for me because I was kind of like, well, I don't know who these young actors 
movie, and I don't know what's going on. And then it started showing some of the espionage things and kind of, uh, you know, all the, like, hidden compartments within the, uh, within the uh, tailor, uh, or, you know, I think it was a tailor's shop or something yeah. where they worked at, and, like, all the hidden compartments within there with all the weapons and, like, some of the training stuff. And I was like, damn, this movie looks badass. And it was one of those things where... I remember going to see it um, Valentine's weekend because that year this movie came out out on Valentine's weekend and it was kind of just a surprise hit because a lot of other people went to see it at the same time and just like I think this movie's like super entertaining. It's like it's a it's a spy movie but it's like super crazy and and imaginative imaginative as well and uh, yeah I just really love this one. It's like super comic booky, super off the wall. But uh, it's definitely one of my favorite sort of espionage films. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts about Kingsman. Um, Kingsman, I the fight scenes in this movie are insane to watch. Um, Matthew Vaughn did a really, really cool like camera work shooting the fight scenes, and they're just a joy to watch how he put that, put it all together. It it really is just a joy to watch. Um, and then it was a lot funnier than I was expecting it to be either. You know what I mean? To, as well. Um, so... Yeah, yeah, I would, agree, I would agree with that. I just, I wasn't expecting it to be like a comedy at all. And then, um, I also wasn't expecting, uh, the fight scenes like they were. And then it was, I mean, it was a lot gorier than it was too. I did not expect it. Um, the training, all the, all the spy training and stuff like that was really cool to watch. Like, there's some really cool stuff they did with that. So, um... Yeah, no, Kingsman's awesome. Did you see the second one? Yeah, yeah, I've seen the second one. I like that one a lot, too, but I, I definitely I like, like the, f- the first one better. I definitely like the first one better, too. Um, the second one was fun, but I actually kind of found myself getting a little bored when I was watching the second one, so um, I don't know what that means. So I also haven't looked into... Um, the Kingsman? The Kingsman, yeah, that yeah. that third one that came out. So um, ha- I don't have you checked that one out at all? No, I have, is it out yet? Um, I have no idea. That's a good... I, no. I, I, I thought it was still, like, it hasn't come out yet, but... Um, yeah, I think it's I one that's... Yep, I think that's one... So, I think that was one that was, like, unfortunately, quickly stuck in limbo and just hadn't had a chance to release, but I could have swore I saw it somewhere, like, streaming. I could be wrong, though. So. Yeah, and I think that one's more of a prequel to the, uh, the other two movies, from what I've heard, so... That'll be interesting to see, um... Yeah, I can't. I can't remember the actor's name. Uh, who plays the older? Um, is it, uh, is it Colin something? I want to say. Oh, Colin Firth. Yeah, yeah. Like I think I think it's his backstory is what the Kingsman oh, is gonna be about. Okay. So, so okay. that'll that'll be cool to see. Um, I haven't looked into a lot of the details about it though as well. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't either. I just was like, um, I'm going to wait. I wasn't going to rush to that one because of the, um, I wasn't going to rush to it because of, um, how the second one kind of bored me, I guess you could say. So. I hear you. And 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 let's put it, let me rephrase. The second one is not boring. It's an exciting movie. It's a lot of cool fight scenes and stuff like that. I just, maybe I wasn't in the mood to watch it. I really don't know. So. Um, it's a little bit of a different vibe too, since it's it's in America. Yeah, so well, when you go in uh, expecting something, one thing, and you're not getting what you're expecting, you know what I mean? Like maybe that's part of 
my thought process. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah, and I, I absolutely agree. Like I like the second one, but I don't like it as much as the first. So. Um, all right. So my next pick for the evening is Mission Impossible Five. Um, I don't know how many how many of the Mission Impossibles have you seen. Three, I want to say. The first three, probably. All right. No, so, I saw the first two, and I've seen Fallout. <laughs> oh, that's a weird jump. All right. Um, so, Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible Five, or Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Um, this is one. So, Mission Impossible had this weird thing where they sent out the first movie, and it was astounding. The second movie, because of popularity, they're like, "Hey, we're gonna go get uh, John Woo and do the next movie," and. Um, it's more of a John Woo movie than it is a Mission Impossible movie. Um, I still like it, but it falls under the tropes of John Woo. Then you get J.J. Abrams in, and he does Mission Impossible 3, and it's amazing again, but it's a J.J. Abrams film. And then J.J. is now an executive producer for the rest of them, which is great, but you're running into new directors. Uh, 4 was awesome, um, Ghost Protocol, but 5, not only was it what we really wanted in terms of like a spy thriller, like take, go back to like the roots of what mission impossible one was, but amp up all the action and the adventure and like make it a tighter story. It goes back to that deep rooted espionage spy thriller, uh, complicated story. And rogue nation really was this, like, it was almost like, in my opinion, it was like a go back to the roots and let's turn it up to 11 and do a spy film. Um, so Rogue Nation is absolutely amazing. I think everyone needs to watch all the Mission Impossibles, but in all seriousness, Rogue Nation's pretty, it's pretty solid, and you could probably watch it on its own, um, if you really wanted to. You wouldn't get some of the backstory with some of the characters, but, um, going into it, you're just, it's, it's a real solid movie on its own. It's really cool. Um, so definitely, I definitely think everyone should check it out. So that was my next pick for the evening. That's awesome. Um, yeah, just to clarify, too, like, I, I remember when I saw the second Mission Impossible, it just rubbed me the wrong way um, for a lot of reasons, and I kind of just stayed away from the franchise for a long time. It did that um, for everybody, so... And uh, when the, the newest one came out, I ended up seeing it in theaters, and I actually really loved it, but it was kind of one of those things, like, I just happened to see it, even though I didn't see the movies coming before it, so... Oh. Now I really want to go back and rewatch them all. I just, uh, I guess I just haven't done that yet. Well, it's but, interesting uh, because Mission Impossible 1 and 2 are kind of standalone movies. Mission Impossible 3 starts a story that doesn't get completed until Mission Impossible 6. Um, nice. So, like, there's actual story threads that go throughout, like, they were building a universe when they, it's like, let's start over with Mission Impossible 3 and build a universe. Um and, uh, but five really felt like a back to the roots, tell a spy movie, really dig deep and do this right, but turn it up to 11 when you do it. Um, so, and I've talked ad nauseum about the stunt work in the Mission Impossible films, about how they try and do everything for real. Um, so the car chases are for real. Um, in Mission Impossible Fallout, when they jump, when they do the halo jump or when they do the helicopter flying and like when they, like, all that stuff, they try and do it for real as much as possible um, to just add to the excitement of the film because no one makes movies like this anymore. They really don't. 
Um, but Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, it's the story that really drives this movie in terms of such a great spy movie. Um, and I don't want to spoil it because it's complicated, um, but it's all about a rogue spy entity that was put into effect by someone other than the United States and is a threat to the con- it's a threat to the planet. So, yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, all right, man, what's your next pick? Yeah, so uh, that's actually a pretty good segue into my last pick because I picked uh, Mission Impossible Fallout for uh, my last one. Hey, <laughs> so. uh, you uh, guess what? So did I. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and I'm going to let you talk about it, and then I'll say why I chose Mission Impossible Fallout because this is that thing where I chose two from a franchise, but go ahead. Yeah, so so this is one, like I said, I haven't watched all the Mission Impossible movies and kind of just happened to see this one. Um, but I just enjoyed it so much. I thought it was like everything I want from a spy thriller. You were just talking about the stunt work. Like the stunt work in this movie is amazing. It's also just such a fun movie to watch. It's super intense. I know there's elements of the backstory that I was missing when I saw it, but that didn't really matter because I just, I mean, I'm, I know it matters, but I enjoyed this movie so much, you know, while like maybe not catching all the little backstory pieces of it um but yeah this was just a great movie um i watched it multiple times i think it's super fun the cinematography is awesome it's kind of uh yeah i don't know where all to go with this one um i know we've talked about it a lot on the podcast before too but uh what were you gonna what did you want to reveal about this one so what i wanted to bring up was this is one of the reasons what so it was so when I talked about when I talked about how I don't do this on I try and stick to like hey I'm gonna put so it's a franchise and there's several movies so I'm not gonna pit because otherwise I'd you know some lists I might run into all Star Wars movies on a list if I'm not careful so I try to avoid using movies similar movies from the same franchises and that kind of thing and doing that um, and so when I picked Mission Impossible 5 and I was really like really trying to figure out like staring at the Mission Impossible movies because I'm like there's no way one of those movies is not going to make my list so I was like one of them's definitely making it which one's making it and then I really narrowed down and focused on Mission Impossible 5 and I'm like it's such a good story by itself it's a very like I could watch it stand alone on its own and just watch that movie and be content and go that was a great movie I'm glad I watched that and then I looked at the story that's being told and Mission Impossible 5, because of the villain, rolls directly into Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, the, so when in, in, in Fallout, when you find, when they're, the, the bad guy in Mission Impossible Fallout is being um, kind of escaped from prison, like they're trying to do a prison break and get him out, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation is when they caught that guy. So when Henry Cavill looks at him, he's like, oh, wait, you're the guy that got, took him down. Um, and when he says that to Tom Cruise, there's the revelation because you're thinking back to the previous film. Yep, I saw that happen. Um, the fact that the story rolls right into the next, they're separated in terms of story, but the fact that it rolls right together is so cool and it creates a cohesive story and it's an issue of consistency. Um, in telling a story like that. And those two movies specifically can play back-to-back because of the story threads. But the, the big story thread in Mission Impossible Fallout goes all the way back to Mission Impossible 3 when he got married. 
and it rolls straight on in. So you see, like, the fact that he got married in Mission Impossible 3. They touch on it slightly in Mission Impossible 4 because you're just like, wait, what happened to his wife? And then they hit you with it, and you're just like, oh, my God, that's brilliant that they did that. And then they don't touch it again until Mission Impossible Fallout. But the fact that Rogue Nation and Fallout just play together is just in, it's great writing and it's in great, it's great attention to detail and consistency and trying to keep the continuity straight um but that's why i was like i can't not put these movies on the list together because of how they play um and it makes me really excited for mission impossible 7 and 8 because they directly said that they're put they're shooting them together to tell another cohesive story like that because they want the story to be bigger so i can't even imagine what stunts we're going to get out of it but yeah. I don't I don't know if you need to add anything to that. I was just like that's just my thoughts on all that together, so not too much. I kind of wish I watched uh, part five before Fallout, but <laughs> Well and that's the thing, I went into Fallout not knowing and then I was like, Oh my god, that's Solomon Lane. Holy crap, the connection, like my brain just went, This is nuts that they're doing what they're doing. Um yeah. and when you well, put them I could tell there was a lot of things like that where it was like connected to the other movies and I was kind of missing out on those, but uh they general, made. I still enjoyed it a ton. They actually. made Mission Impossible Fallout makes one hyper subtle reference to the original film, but you gotta know the original film super well to catch it. So, <laughs> um, and because you said you watched the first one as many times as you did, you'll probably catch it. But I remember being in the theater and hearing the line of dialogue going, "Oh." check that out so i don't want to spoil it if you're going to go watch them because it's just it was a cool nod and i'm like oh that's awesome that they did that so um, i'm trying i can't remember if i remembered it or not but uh or if i noticed that or not but now i'll have to keep that in mind next time i watch it yeah so um yeah dude you just need to go watch the mission impossible movies and we can gush over those we could do a whole episode on that if you wanted <laughs> um our top five our top five mission impossible films um so yeah all right um peter what are we doing next week man yeah so um we've been doing a lot of uh movies um well i guess it's only been two episodes in a row but still i kind of wanted to do something a little outside the box so i thought it'd be fun to talk about our top five favorite secret hideouts bases lairs etc you know just uh you know what I mean. We've got the Batcave. We've got all sorts of uh, secret hideouts and bases that people have. Almost every Saturday morning cartoon of the action genre had one or two. So I think this would just be a fun list to go through. Okay, hold on. Let's think about this real quick. One, two, three. <laughs> You're thinking of the ones you... So, no, uh, let's uh, let's make a rule that you only get one Batcave. <laughs> because I could come with a whole list of Batcaves if I really wanted to. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking of multiple versions of things. That's really funny. Um, my thought is, like, if you pick the Batcave, you would just say, like, maybe mention which version is your actual favorite. But, yeah. Um... Yeah, so yeah, come down, like, this is the thing, remember we did the uh, vehicles and I said one Batmobile? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's one Batcave. Um, yeah, dude, that one sounds fantastic. Of each 
secret hideout you pick. What'd you say? Um, that sounds like a fantastic idea. I wasn't even, you know what? When I was thinking about lists, I was like, I wasn't even thinking secret hideout could be a cool list. So I'm totally down for this. And we could, <laughs> there could be some really weird things because of like, I mean, just thinking about like the Legion of Doom base, for example, it just kind of comes out <laughs> yeah. of the water. Like there could be some goofy, goofy <laughs> secret hideouts. Um, Absolutely. That's actually a great point. Um, and you're just saying that, I'm just thinking, like, it's going to be hard to not pick ones that aren't, that aren't like, DC Comics-centric, but, uh, no, there's going to be, it'll be a fun one to do. Um, yeah, alright. Uh, well, that case, let's, this brings us to a close. Let's throw this episode in the can with all the rest of them, Peter. You ready? <laughs> you ready to yeah. uh, end for the night? So if you guys could all do us a favor and um, check out our website, top5report.com. They will find links to all of our uh, social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with the link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can interact with the show there. Hit us, uh, hit, it, hit us up on our social media. Either one works. Um, we are on iHeartRadio, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe to us. You won't miss a single episode if you do. Um, and uh, you can leave us a review. We love the five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Uh, you can follow me personally on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927, where I will post pictures of the Mandalorian ship as I finish it when I get a chance to finally put it together. Um, Peter. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be letting you know that this podcast will self-destruct in 10 seconds. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, great plug. All right, um, everybody, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody.